Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Manchester United have lost five of their opening ten matches at Old Trafford for the first time since the 1930-31 season. And I'm afraid, got to inform the United fans listening, they went on to finish bottom of the league that year, relegated with only seven wins all season. Manager Herbert Bamlett sacked with six games to spare to be replaced, as we all remember, by the late great Walter Crickmer. In fairness, when you start with a run of 12 defeats in a row, you are playing catch-up. Welcome to your World Service Taste today. It is true, United went 0 for 12 back in 1930. Back then, Fortress Old Trafford witnessed a 4-3 defeat by Aston Villa on opening day. Huddersfield came and gave them a 6-0 thrashing. Newcastle won 7-4. Grimsby came away with the spoils. They weren't much better away from home, battered 6-2 by Chelsea, 4-1 by West Ham, before they eventually beat Birmingham to snap the 12-game losing run. Nobody beats Manchester United 13 times in a row and all that. They did keep entertaining right to the end, though it should be said. A 4-4 draw against Middlesbrough was the last game of the season, watched by 3,969 hardy souls at Old Trafford. In fairness, there were barely any more supporters than that still in the stadium last night as the final whistle blew on their 3-0 defeat to Newcastle, heaping more pressure on Eric Ten Hag, who may soon suffer the fate of poor Herbert Bamlett back in 1930-31. Man United's problems have given us plenty to talk about on today's football podcast, but it wasn't all English football this week. Shamrock Rovers have done the four in a row in the League of Ireland, which gave us the perfect opportunity to reunite David Snade and Kevin Brano Brannigan in a new edition of the Snade and Brano Show, kicking off with talk of scandal at Turner's Cross after Cork City refused to give the champions a guard of honour on Monday night. He's a madman. We've let off firewalks and people's runners and all sorts. I've just had a lot of good fun. I got a bowls games. It's not off the record stuff. It's on the record. It's a piece of space. Look at flares. Look at flags. You can also like, sneak your cans into the stand really easily. Come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me, baby. We need to touch each other more. Can't you see that I am not afraid? Do you for an 80 sign? What was that promise that you made? That's what going to a football match is about. Why won't you tell me what she said? Touching other people, you're hoping other people. What was that promise that you made? We need to touch each other more. Now I'm gonna love you. Till the heavens stop the rain. Do you go for an 80 song? 
The word spacer just gets me every time. David Snade, how are you, buddy? I'm very well, how are you? Good, good. Brano, Shamrock Rovers, four in a row. Are you coming in here with about as much enthusiasm as you had for your one appearance on Grunge Week? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, my last few second captain's appearances, I've been very downbeat, so I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to try and be upbeat today. In spite of yourself. You can yeah. confirm you have come on air of your own free will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm here. It's not, uh, I'm not like holding up a newspaper with today's date. No, I'm here. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of this um, lack of respect shown by Cork City towards Shamrock Rovers? Disgusting. Card of honour last night, David. Champions, four-time champions. Shamrock Rovers being disrespected in this way by one of their peers. Listen, that's what you expect from Cork people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Um, ah, like it's, like who cares? Well, Stephen Bradley cares. I know. I, I wasn't down. I wasn't down at the match last night, but I saw Dan McDonald's tweet, and that kind of just sums up the fact that Stephen Bradley was saying this while holding two bottles of Moe champagne. The, the champagne had been, been given to him. had been given to him. Rival manager. Yeah, like, we mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is what. You, in fairness, these are the storylines that you cling to at the end of the season when the title has already been I won. It's you're gonna, you're, like, you know what I mean. And like, I suppose like Richie Holland will kind of say, well, you know, if it gets the fans up an, an extra little bit, he didn't want to be given the guard of honour because obviously at Cork, the fans, the players come out behind behind the goal at the shed end where all the, the hardcore Cork fans would be and he wants to create that siege mentality so you can kind of see his reason and I know Stephen Bradley said it was kind of weak on, which They I said they discussed it beforehand Bradley and Holland yeah, and uh, Holland didn't relent so it's, it's kind of good to see that people in Cork aren't just like crumbling like, in negotiations anymore I don't I don't <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I don't like I know I said earlier like, who cares but like, what, what does it matter like, even the whole thing of just like the guard of honour there's obviously going to be respect there clearly it's a little thing called sportsmanship Dave yeah but it's just not a relatively new phenomenon the whole thing of these guard of honours like, yeah. like, I googled football guard of honours and it comes up it is not compulsory in football <laughs> yeah so Sports, I don't know it's, sportsmanship it, isn't compulsory you know it's just what you do if you're can you have can guy. you have sportsmanship in a professional arena well, so, I mean, of course I mean, sportsmanship <laughs> should be like for the amateur ethos of the GEA yeah. like when it comes down to Get rid of the handshakes and everything. Yeah, like I know Rovers Ro- like, gave themselves a guard of honour at Daly Moon Park after they won the league. They gave <laughs> themselves one? Yeah, because yeah, obviously they're not going to get one from Bowles. Yeah. One of the ones that stru- struck in my head was years ago in the Premier League when Man United won the league and they, I think they, they would, it be, would it have been 06, 07? No, it was Chelsea. What? It was Chelsea won the league and Manchester United gave, gave the guard of honour. No, no, but then I think it was the season after that when United got the title back. Yeah. And they gave him a guard of honour at Stanford Bridge. Chelsea did, but mm. like, they were giving guards of honour to lads like Dong Fang Zhu, who hadn't like played a game. And yeah, Rovers last night like, only had Fang one was, one was player from uh, one player from the previous Friday night. Yeah. So like they would have been given a guard of honour to ten Rovers players it's who the actually Shamrock Rovers. It's not to the individual who actually hasn't it's, it's played. The, really, the collective, the collective yeah. being, you know, it's, it's, yeah. like, it's the champions. I mean, you're, you're saluting the champions. You're saying, "Well done." We all tried to win it, and you were the best. I thought Richie Holland. I thought Richie Holland's Richie Holland's reasoning was absolute nonsense. We're trying to create a siege mentality for a match that we're playing next week against different opposition. In two so weeks. we won't be yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. So we won't be polite to well, like these lads. There's obviously a, a serious, like, an element, a major element of pettiness, even in the fact that, like, in the build up on the scoreboard, it doesn't say Shamrock Rovers; it says Shamrock rather than say even Rovers. Really? And then, like the build up on social media, it's, <laughs> it's like City versus Shamrock. So like, there's all that kind of stuff that is Jeez. just seems. But this is, but this is the pettiness that kind of fuels football, and this is what we want. Like, like, I, don't, I don't see what the major issue is like with it you know Bradley has been spiky enough in recent weeks I want to I want to go for five it's down to the board now the board have to make it happen I just want to see us strive to get better every year and this isn't the first time he's been doing this a lot recently hasn't he he's been kind of calling out mm. the board and, and, and um, there's, there's something going on there yeah he's got a lot more spiky in the last uh, couple of months including 
maybe it was a month or two ago when he kind of came out that himself and Duff aren't in a, a friendship relationship really anymore. I remember before the, the Shells Rovers game out in Tallah, they were having a bit of back and forth. Mm. Uh, and then he, he he's moved on to the board. Uh, like the, the way I see it is Rovers didn't get through to European group stages this year. Uh, last year they did. They got about 3.9 million, I've seen it reported. So that money isn't there this season. Um, that, that, that money hasn't been made this season to invest for players or whatever for next season. So, you know, you're going to have to cut your budget a little bit but uh i'm sure dave will know more being one of the one of the hacks on the scene but uh <laughs> but um yeah it, it's it, I, I thought it was a little bit like on friday night in Inchicore, i'm watching it because uh, i didn't get to go to dundalk for bows and it's one of those things where you're like for most of human history you could only see what was in front of your face now you can actually just switch over and watch graham burke go in on goal to, to seal rovers four in a row uh even though you're not there because of you know, television. Um, but afterwards, Damien O'Mara is interviewing him. And I, I and O'Mara is kind of pushing him, will you be around next season for five in a row? And I thought he, Bradley, on the night that it was, like he's the first ever man, he's 38, he's the first yeah. ever manager to win four leagues in a row. Rovers have done four in a row since the first time since the 80s, blah, blah, blah. That he would maybe keep it in his back pocket a little bit or whatever, but he, he still took it out there and was like, well, you know, it's up to the board, it's up to that. So I don't know, Dave, what's the, what's the essence of it all? But like, oh, like, it's something that's been like it's not something that's new and even just confined to just an issue of our, the budget it's something that's been kind of bubbling under the surface even with, with Bradley and with Rovers from my understanding of it for the guts of a year in terms of just that little bit of kind of tension that is be- beginning to emerge and it's not like a huge thing where it's like the board like Bradley is up against every single person on the board it seems to be just a couple of people that there could be a bit of an issue with it seems maybe that it's just I kind of mentioned earlier maybe just very typical in the sense of what happens in football where you know personalities who've been around each other for a number of years and they can begin to clash they might have different ideas obviously success comes people have a belief of well why that success came and how it came about and who is the most important person in the room kind of thing and success has many fathers and all that yeah um, so like I don't know it's it's kind of just struck me that it's, I don't think it is necessarily 100% just down to maybe that sense of well what the what the budget is because it Again, from my understanding of it was, I think it was after the would have been was it end of September, would have been the end of September or maybe start of September when Rovers played um, Shelburne, and maybe it was after the Duff game and they obviously they won that game, and that was kind of the first time that it became a bit more public in terms of a bit of the uh, the issue because obviously Stephen Bradley was talking about you know even people say inside the club who are kind of fighting against or whatever, mm. and that was kind of like the first kind of public acknowledgement of some of the issues that were there and. Yeah, it just it just seems that it just seems again. We know we said at the start, people say the pettiness that feels football and some of the stuff that kind of happens. But this just strikes me as something that happens very regularly in football over a number of years, where tensions begin to emerge amongst people in a successful club. And, and generally, it doesn't get better though. This is this is the problem I would see for Rovers maybe over next year too. If Stephen Bradley does stay, this yeah. doesn't sound like a relationship that is necessarily going to improve. Yeah, but see, the thing would be, I would say, is I don't think it's necessarily one that needs to get massively better in the sense of it's not as if... They don't have to be best mates. No, because it's not as if together. it's him up against, say, one owner here and it's a, a clash of personalities. In that instance, there's only going to be one winner. Like The, the structure of how Rovers are won, uh, run is obviously 50% is is the uh, the fans. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have Dermot Desmond has 25% and Ray Wilson, obviously, who is a lifelong Sean McRovers fan, he has 25%. But then there's issues there in terms of like a little bit of a sense of paranoia where people are thinking well like do they want to maybe get more control not put more money in or maybe put more money in for the sense that then it dilutes other people's fan shares and when you look at what the history of our Sean McRovers 
are. And it goes back to even that first that first final row back in nineteen eighty seven, where like a month later, like they sold Glenmore Park at Milltown and, and then they were Thomas, gone. Yeah. They won one title in like seven years after that and then obviously there was just like decades of being homeless in the wilderness and everybody found a home and then like look I referenced in, a, in an article at the weekend where the, the contrast now where you literally see they've won the four in a row and they're about to finish off building a stand that's going to take the capacity past 10,000 it couldn't be more different you know so like you can understand why people who are on the fan board part of, of, of Rovers who have seen where the club has been and the struggle that that they've got to, to even get to this point where yeah it's it, it's not their ground in the sense that they don't own it it's obviously the county council but or South Dublin County Council but like you can you can understand that that element as well and maybe it could also sure. have been a tool that Bradley was using because I, I read in well there's that as well I read post match that Roberto Lopez Pico was saying that uh, earlier on the season when they hadn't you know won their first six games and it was late March and they were ten points behind uh, whoever such a bad start it's yeah amazing who, that whoever was in front at that stage um, but, he, but, but Pico said that they stuck up on the wall they literally stuck up on the wall an article of like yeah. you know Rovers in disarray blah 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 well, they tweeted so, it when they won the league they tweeted the actual oh, intro okay, the headline don't, don't, don't follow Rovers on Twitter. But uh, so th- it seems as if Great they. they, they, they wrote, just not under the name. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote the uh, the offending article? Rovers in disarray. Who was it? Ah, I'm not going to hang out with a colleague. Well, who was it? I mean, you're not hanging out. Sean Rovers hanging out. Well, it was it was Bradley mentioned it as well. Like, and we talked. Well, he, he says he doesn't want to build siege mentalities, but he felt as if he was like, and it maybe goes back to that respect thing where you, you have that bad start, and he was saying, oh, like people were just ready to, to come at us again and maybe we'd built up we should have built up a bit more respect over the, the previous three those years quotes were also hilarious we don't build a siege mentality but we took one journalist article and we've stuck it up on the wall and it's inspired us for the season that's yeah. what a siege mentality I is I, I read an article saying Rover's plans in disarray uh, written by Philip Quinn Saturday 10 July 1999 well, it, yeah but it wasn't so that this yeah. has been a recurring team uh, over the years yeah. yeah no it wasn't that one it was basically around the fact that and like I can kind of understand the reason I thought it was a bit early obviously but it was along the lines of even if Rovers get their act together because they, they didn't win in the, the first two months of the season and they were getting fellas sent off remember that game down in Cork when they had three men sent off and at that point you're thinking I was even right at the time. This just strikes me. This could be a, a bizarre season, and it kind of has been in the sense that, like, they've like yesterday was their twelfth draw of the year. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, they haven't really lost many games, but it's just been those little fine margins a little bit. And I still don't really, I still don't understand that what the problem is here. Like, I mean, they've, I mean, got, they've got a manager who's like yeah. thirty-eight years old. He's won four in a row. The fans like him. Things are going well. What's the problem? This is just what happens, seems to happen in football. People can sometimes find a way of taking something that seems to be working and finding a way of fucking it up. Like, I know, like that's just the crudest way of saying it, but that's that, that tends to be how a lot of stuff happens in football. Where, like, like what, what I was saying earlier, where people say, "Well, what's the reason for the success? Who is the person who is actually responsible for the success?" Because like there'll be people on that board who'll say, "Well, hold on, we stuck by Stephen Bradley when the fans were holding out banners saying mm-hmm. the experiment's over, the project. Remember, I was getting loads, time getting, to go, getting slaughtered and all that." Mm-hmm. So like there be could be people there, rightly, but then you look at what they've done since and the model, like the what they how they've done it is perfect. Like even like I know people have said, "Oh, maybe they're an older team." But any naturally, it would make sense that any team was going to be able to win their fourth title in a they row. They found this genius formula of if you have the most money and buy the best players, <laughs> you win the league. It's uh, it's like so, so, so it's it. people basically are saying, you know, anyone will win the league. You know, anyone could manage those guys. Uh, you didn't get through in Europe. 
Has it really even been that good a season? Is, is, that, yeah. is, that the, is that the point of view? Well, that would that would be, I'd say, an issue that would have cropped up in terms of even with the Europe side when they, they did underperform this year. And mm. like they they didn't, obviously, on the back of getting into the Conference League group stages the season before. But then even at that point, if you remember, like Rovers, even in the, in the group stages then, were actually resting players yeah. and were almost Because they, had, they hadn't won the league. Because they hadn't won the league. And like, it, it, Which definitely as, feeds as, as players was, the next season of like, well, is this really the top priority? Yeah, well, not, yeah, kind of. But then as it was said to me, and because like, I obviously trying to suss out and it was like well no it's like part of the plan is like this isn't going to be a case of just oh we're never going to qualify for a group stage ever again because it's the conference league it's not the Europa League where maybe it's, it could be seen as a bit of more of a, a one off like, you know obviously the Rovers have done it previously and, and Dundalk have done it on a couple of occasions but like this, the general sense within Rovers was that they didn't need to be like going right well we have to put all our eggs in the basket and do as well as we can in Europe and even from the point of view of Bradley for his own kind of status as a as a coach he's thinking well what we're building at Rovers is a regular occurrence to be at least qualifying for the group stages mm. possibly or making it as like viable as possible and that's why this season maybe feeds into that just a bit of a just a bit of a lacklustre that kind of sense a bit of a lacklustre around it because even in the league weren't hitting the same heights and now it's definitely in the sense that they need to freshen up a little bit in terms of bringing lads into the squad and just changing it slightly because that's just the nature of what any manager has to do especially when you've got to the end of a cycle where you've won four in a row This stuff is all being reported in the context of the Lincoln job being available again Why Why Lincoln? Is it the only club in England? <laughs> there are other clubs that surely Stephen Bradley could also potentially move to but mm. Lincoln is Lincoln is open and he's, he's been linked to it again but I, don't, I think we all feel he probably will be there be at Rovers next year wouldn't he? I'd be, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised unless something drastic happens. With the Ireland job, um, ah, I, I, ah. it didn't work with the League of Ireland manager Brano, yeah. so it cannot work with any other. But uh, you know, on that point, I think he's someone who'll be down the line. Will be definitely like, yeah. depending on what happens, will we'll be in the conversation. For yeah, him, but like, I, I think but, that you have to, you have to do some. You have to get some good results in Europe, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, well, that's... Yeah. Stephen yeah. Kenny got the Ireland manager. Based on that. On Europe, yeah. 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 So, so before, you know, before that happens, it's, it would be hard. To, I mean, I think, you know, uh, as you're saying, down the line, sure, but you need to... And also, as well, you kind of forget, like, he's been the man... He came in in 2016, like, halfway through the season in 2016, so he's been, like, a manager, really, for full seasons since 2017, and he's, he's been tremendously successful, but he is still learning as well, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, if he... But yeah, like I, I would, I would be surprised if. But then again, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But in football, like you never know. But I, just from from what I would have known already in terms of what's been happening and stuff, and the kind of maybe some of the personalities I play, I just I, I would be I would be surprised if something major happens and he does live. If we're looking for talk- unless there's if, a better job comes in. If we're talking about this Rovers four in a row and there's like a bit of you know negativity around it, you know they hadn't done well in Europe, uh, they were, had a bad start to the season and stuff like that. They still could finish this Friday ten points above whoever finishes second. At one stage, haven't been ten points off off the pace. And like, oh, if you look at the rest of their four in a row, three and a half in a row, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like he's back. The the COVID this season. Is the, pain, you know what I mean? <laughs> the COVID season. Uh, they were they finished eleven points above Bowes, who finished second. Next season, sixteen points above Pats. Season after that, uh, thirteen points above Derry. Uh, and then this season, as Bradley said himself, was the was the best chance for anyone else yeah. to put up a fight mm. and no one else in the league could put could lay like a glove every now and again it looked like Derry are going to do it they collapse Pats are going to do it never had the momentum Bowes total collapse so you know they just kind of need to turn up it seems and they eventually win the league 
Alright, that's all the Snade and Brano you're getting for now if you want to hear about the race for Europe, the FAI Cup final or a reaction to Damien Duff's unusual tactics for recruiting players to Shelburne you need to sign up now on secondcaptains.com for a fiver a month plus fat. Yesterday, we had a great chat with Connor Ryan, All-Ireland hurling winner with Clare in 2013. He was man of the match in the drawn game, had another big performance in the replay that Clare won against Cork. Picked up an All-Star that year. It was his first year in senior hurling. By the time he was 26, though, he'd had to retire from playing after struggling with a medical condition that robbed him of the energy he needed to compete. He used that setback to dedicate himself to his career, went to America to study. Six years on, his health is now in a much better place. He's back playing with his club, Cratlow, and back winning a county title with the club's footballers and finally getting the chance to be on the same pitch as his younger brother, the current Clare hurler, Dermot Ryan. When I went to America, I didn't, I didn't tell anyone about hurling or football. That wasn't my thing to, to share with people. I just wanted to go and realise, you know, what's what's kind of, what what am I like as a person with without any kind of preconceived notions about me? You know, people didn't know I played hurling or football, and uh, to be honest, that was actually a really really refreshing part because you know you're 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 thrown into a class of seventy five people in a full time MBA in Boston College, and you kind of have to fend for yourself and you have to figure out is. God, all these, you know, these pals that I had as a kid, you know, are these just kind of by circumstance? And you realize, absolutely not. Look, I have some of the, the best mates in the world between Cratlow and some of the guys I went to art school with still. And uh, it's nothing to do with because we played sport together. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a second order effect. But like we were growing up hanging around before we ever saw those highs. And it was the same in, in America. Like I have absolutely fantastic friends now who've never been to a hurling game or a football game in their life. And uh, I think for me, it was just a good sense of there's... There's, there is a life outside of GA you know we're going to be absolutely fine without this so. you must have slipped it into conversation at some stage though trying to impress somebody over there Connor. You know? <laughs> like, I, I, I did win an All-Ireland in front of 80,000 people you can explain that to them show them a clip no it was yeah it sounds like a pretty good chat up line but then you have to explain what hurling is to an American and that, that can you know it gets take, convoluted take at that point yeah. yeah 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 so no it actually I think to be honest actually I had a friend from Partine in, in Clare visiting with his with his girlfriend they came over uh, early not about a couple of about six months into we were actually tailgating at a Boston college uh, football game and for anyone who hasn't been tailgating a college football game it's uh, it's a uh, it's the best part of college living I can assure you so he came over and they were thrown around in American football and somehow the, the Super Bowl of hurling or the Super Bowl you know the, the Irish version of the Super Bowl came up and Sean then spilled the beans on me so uh, then there, there was Wikipedia pages coming out and things like that and uh, the cat was out of the bag so uh, but it's always better when somebody else says it on your behalf to be fair rather than having to <laughs> blow your yeah, I gave, Sean made a good 50 quid out of that as well I slipped it to him when I home, so <laughs> when did the, you've mentioned a couple of times you've started feeling better in, in recent times when did the idea of coming back and, uh, and playing for Cratlow again come about? I came back in January just because I, I saw my life in Ireland. You know, I was in America for four years. I was really lucky to, my employers, IBM, were happy for me to come back and work remotely, which is fantastic. But I, about towards the end of last year, I just kind of f- physically started feeling a little bit better. But when I came back to Ireland, I, it wasn't with the intention of playing. Like in my mind, I still, you know, we might just going to get back and work and enjoy being back around Ireland again. And, you know, it's uh, Ireland's a special place. I think everyone has to realise, you know, we've so many young people leaving this country now. And I think you have to do it because you have to go away to realise how good we have it here sometimes, you know, and I know people, it's all relative, but I think the opportunities that are in this country and there's, you know, when... I was came back. I think that was a huge part of it on as well. Like I was feeling really good mentally, physically, you know, I was surrounded by the people that mean the most to me as well, you know, in terms of friends, family, 
just a really good environment and then been back around the GA club, you know, and that's how it all came about. We were down, I think, cleaning up the, the gym one morning, just Johnny Gorman, uh, who's a former coach, he was Kratlow senior coach and a guy I grew up uh, playing hurling with, loved the, loved the guy to bits, just absolutely fantastic guy. And he said, look, the, the guys are... They'd love and have love and seeing you around. Is there any chance you come in and give a bit of hand with the coach? And I'm thinking in my head, you know, if I'm coaching's more of a commitment than playing the way things are going these days. So I said, I'd, I'd actually rather if I'm coming back, I'd love to try and play. And, uh, and that was it. Went down training the next morning and 10 minutes later, pulled my hamstring on. So it was, <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to be as easy as I thought, but, uh, no, it was, it was, it was a process. It was really slow process at the start because like, I kept picking up niggles. You remember this is a guy who hasn't put his body through that kind of training in six years. It's not just going to, you know, miraculously come back and you're going to be flying around the place again. You have got a chance to play, play with Dermot now in hurling and he's on the football team as well. Yeah, in the space of a week, actually. So on the, for the hurling, we my first game, I came on for the last, I think, 20 minutes against Clooney Quinn and we lost. We Unfortunately, we, we lost that game, so our season was ended. But unfor- like from a selfish point of view, we, we lost quite heavily at the end, but I got to play 20 minutes with a Kratlow jersey on my back. And it was funny, actually, I ran on when Kratlow had a puck out and Diemer got the short puck out and pinged it to me. So it was my first ball back was so, uh, him putting it into my hand. And yeah, the week later then, I, we played our first football match together and that was a much better day because we ended up winning. So uh goal that I always had was trying to play with Diarmid. Look, I think I made my peace with it to a certain degree, but that was one thing that always, you know, burned away at me. But then to be able to play hurling and football with him in the space of six days was was pretty cool, you know. You said earlier that you're not sure exactly why you've started feeling better over the last six months or so. Have you done anything different? Has it, is, it, is it medication or why do you, have you got any firm grip on why the body is feeling much better now? No, so I'm like, that's the great thing. Like, I'm not relying on any medication whatsoever anymore. You know, I've gotten to a point, I, I, at the start of the year, like, I was feeling good, but I actually medically wanted to make sure I was, you know, it wasn't just something kind of a placebo effect of the good fresh air on Kratlow. Like, I needed to make sure it was uh, medically cleared. So I went to the doc and he said, look, you're back to levels way, like, before anything ever even happened again. So I was trying to put my finger on it. We had a good chat with the doc. And I think, like, there's a huge element of understanding the, the, the link between your kind of your mental health and well-being to your physical health and well-being and you know I was taking I've now I'm a much more laid-back person I don't see myself as needing to put pressure and stress on my body all of the time so I started coming back and subconsciously at the start of the year I was thinking I'd love to get back geez I would I probably didn't I didn't socialize that to anybody but I was like I'd love to get back so I was training away my my own but I was very very smart about my training you know I wouldn't train on the days where I was feeling tired I would train on the days where I was feeling great slowly by slowly but like, yeah honestly like when you can kind of combine that being in a good place in your personal life being in a good place you know mentally physically it's it has to it has to have a contributing factor to why I'm back now I have to that's what I really believe Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You want to talk about a playmaker? Owen McDevitt. Owen McDevitt from Ireland's second captain show. That's a playmaker. The Second Captain's Podcast. All five is a decoming Russian. The Second Captain's Podcast. It's finger licking good special. special. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. I have been hurting because I have been having to tell the truth about Second Captain's show in Ireland. It's something finger licking good special. That's what I'm talking about. And they do look great because we got that finger licking ass right. I've given you your World Service Taster, but I also want to let you know about the latest episode with Richie Sadler, available to you now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a totally separate feed from the World Service, and you can listen now. Richie travelled to West Cork this week to speak with the leader of the Social Democrats Party, Holly Cairns, about the targeted online abuse she and other female TDs regularly receive. And they talked about a really frightening time last year where that abuse escalated into a real-world situation. Starting out... I got just a lot of um, real kind of blatant sexism, I think. Like, um, Yeah, I guess a lot of the stuff then when I became more and more known was like more sexualized stuff. And I think that that's the worst. Is that constant? See, for me, it didn't actually, when I say it didn't phase me, I don't want to sound like, sure, I didn't even care. Because like, I presume on some level I did, but I really didn't feel like it was kind of, I just thought it was this other thing that was separate to me, that there was just people who do that and they're neither here nor there. You should, certainly shouldn't take them into consideration on a day-to-day basis or let it in or really think about it. It just wouldn't kind of come in to me. And it wasn't until I had somebody turning up at my house that there was obviously dealing with that. But for me, that changed those messages coming in because then I was like, the person who wrote that message could actually be a real person that would turn up at my house. And and they showed up to this house that we're in now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, on a few occasions and then... Were you here on your own at the time? Mm. It's a while ago now. I think I kind of blocked it out to a certain extent. I think they came three times. The first time it was like coming with a kind of feigned query about something, do you know? But it felt... Not like, like it didn't feel genuine, you know? And I think they said, you look you look sexier in real life or something like that. And it made me re- like, obviously immediately really uncomfortable. Ask them to leave, ask them not to come back. And there was persistent messages to the work phone before that and after that and everything. And then I remember being in Dublin at one point and getting the message, when I say getting the message, it would go to my work phone, but um, I'm outside your house. Kind of and... Obviously, you got, you've just driven down here. It's a really 
remote, really rural area. It's a lovely community. I was born here. You know, it's just so safe, so lovely. I didn't even have a key for the door. I couldn't lock it if I wanted to. Um, so it just changed all of that. Now I've got locks, obviously, I've got CCTV, I've got different bits like that. And I guess, you know, if you're somebody who sends threatening messages like that online and thinks, sure, what harm? To think about the impact that it has on somebody like that, I used to have the doors unlocked. Now, if I had something like the hairdryer on, I'd be like, I'll lock the door in case I wouldn't hear somebody come in or, you really? know, like, okay. like I never, never would have occurred to me for a second before. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting chat. Holly is very forthcoming about the impact that period had on her daily life, but also quite pragmatic and trying to make sure situations like that don't stop women from entering politics in the future. There's a lot in there, so be sure to give it a listen and subscribe and rate the show. You can also hear the first two episodes with Tommy Tiernan and Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan. Murph is away this week, as you may have gathered. He's not here for your World Service promo. Got to say, the sign-offs in the show have been getting a bit weird without him. Thank you, Alan Ruff. So I'll just keep this one simple by thanking you for listening, urging you to consider signing up and reminding you that the Second Captain's podcast is part of the... Murph's not here. I'm going to have to remember it myself. Yeah, it's the ACAS Creator Network. You better believe it. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. <laughs>